Episode 19. My fucking mom listened to the, uh... This all that could come off the F-bomb, right? To start this. Oh, we're already on the F-bomb. Ah! Dang! I didn't know I was on. We're already starting off on the F-bomb. We're we're 10 seconds into the podcast, so... If you're listening to this to your kitchen, your kids are around. Sorry about that. Sorry about that one. <laughs> so your mom was listening <laughs> anyway, to it? Anyway, my mom was listening to the other one we talked about, uh, the podcast where we talked about like the the Shredded by Summer thing. Okay. So like now she's like doing all that. Oh, is she doing she, it oh, now? Yeah, she's trying to do it all. She was like, and? she's like, I went to her house last night to eat supper and she's got like her strawberries and her blueberries and all okay. the fruits and veggies and everything. I was like, okay, look at her go. I, was like, I think right. one of the biggest complaints I've heard, a little bit to a degree, is like the fruits and vegetables is you know because groceries are free and expensive right now is you know you know shit spoils so quickly yeah you know like so you have to be quick on the trigger to about eating your like food eating well and that's kind of the the general concept is when you're going to grocery shopping you should majority of your food that you're buying should expire by the time you go to the grocery store next week next week if you're able to basically buy groceries for a whole month you're not you're not <laughs> buying good things because i remember that's what Plus you're just freezing everything Kaylee's dad used to do that. Like he, we were talking about this last night. He would spend like four hundred bucks on groceries, maybe for the whole month. Like See, he go to the grocery store once a month. That's what my mom does. My mom will go one time, spend mm-hmm. like four or five hundred dollars, yep. and then just literally stack everything she's not using in the freezer. And she just every anytime she wants something, she would just take it out the freezer, put it in the fridge. Yeah, and it would dethaw. Um, that's pretty much what you would do every single time. Yeah. There's no way you can do that if you're buying enough fruits and vegetables. I mean, oh, there's no you way. Can't, no. You can't get that done. So, I mean, you could do that with, you're going to maybe buy in bulk like meat. Like, you could do that and then sort it in the freezer mm-hmm. and then next week, you know, defreeze it all. But yeah, majority of the food that you guys should be buying, should, I mean, probably a good 80% of it at least should be food that's going to expire by the time you go to the grocery store next week. So, I mean, it's obviously you're going to buy some things that could probably have a little bit longer shelf life, but for the most part, most of it should spoil pretty quickly. Yeah. So if you guys aren't doing that, obviously if you're doing the Shredded by Summer Challenge, you're going to need to do that by now. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, what are we talking today about, Kel? Uh, we are talking about programming and the process and how we pretty much make all these workouts. Up, yeah, I how guess. we go about doing the process. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot first. Oh boy, here we go. How do you go about programming your Sundays because if you don't know this already Kel is responsible for Sunday's workout so if you ever come on Sunday don't blame me yeah also everybody that comes on Sunday I'm sorry about last weekend (laughs) that was a that was an oopsie on my part what was was they saying like 45 55 minutes yeah it was a long long uh, yeah. And I made an audible on the call, and that made it worse for y'all. So, <laughs> my bad on that. You, Kel, literally, he's like 800 or 1200 meters. I'm just saying, go to 1200. I was like, ah, we're gonna go 1200. Because normally, I do when I do program. Like, I, I normally like have to make myself program more. Um, like, I normally like program on the lighter side, and so I'm like, I look at it, and I'm like, okay. I have so to I'm usually on the move. opposite side. Really, usually, I'm like too aggressive. Sometimes, well, not all the time. Every so often, I mean, as you've seen, like in practice, I'm like 90 percent of the time. I kind of get it right. I've been doing it long enough to where I have a general idea, but there's still always that little bit of like, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Yeah. And more often than not, it's usually, it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's a, like at the 10% time that I do fail, it's going to be like definitely over too much. Over. Now there's like a two to 3% chance. Like it's probably under, mm-hmm. right? Probably like that. So that, that nine round workout that we did this past Friday with the deadlifts, biking, dip, and dips. dips. I expect that to take longer of a workout for those guys, which is good. I mean, sometimes it's better to 
go under, right? Because we don't need to smash ourselves every single day. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have workouts like, oh, you know, that was tough, but that wasn't You kind of breathe a little too bit, bad. like not dead after. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. That's okay to have those every so often. Um, but that was like an example of one I thought was definitely going to take longer for people to complete. But more often than not, I have a general idea about how things are going to be. But. Um, no, but for Sundays, um, pretty much what I do is I pretty much take all the movements y'all have done or the, pretty much the workouts mm-hmm. you created from Monday through Saturday and I'm pretty much filling in the gaps. So whatever we haven't done. Pretty much any movement we haven't done, um, I try to figure that movement out and maybe we have done a movement in there in the week and, but I try to make it to where maybe you did it like Monday or Tuesday that week. And mm-hmm. then early on, so it's been yeah, a long Early on, kind of give you a little break space. from it. Um, but pretty much once I figure out the movements um, that we haven't done that week, I go ahead and make sure I put the movements on my page that I'm programming for. So whether it's on my Google Doc or my loose leaf paper, I put all the movements I want first. She so just like, put like, all right, like, Wall ball, pretty much. Up, so like, let's say you just kind of list a bunch, like up, so five or six movements. You're like, okay, this is what I, I want to make the workout out of. Pretty much. Okay. And so like, I, I pretty much put that at the top of the page. Um, from there though, I pretty much figure out if I want to do a long, short, or medium workout. Um, I'll pretty much look at your like Saturday and Friday. And if Saturday and Friday were on the longer side, which they normally are, I try to make something somewhere between like eight to like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you did come last Sunday, sorry. Um, but normally that's kind of the goal. Um, but after I figure that out, okay, we kind of go with if I want AMRAP, if I want to do a tougher time, if I want to do like a chipper style workout. Mm-hmm. And then from there, that's when you figure out the reps and how much you want to do and so forth and so forth. Sure. Um, but I mean, that's pretty much the process. Um, not too, too crazy, like detailed or anything like that. Unless I'm doing like an every so amount of time or something like that. Sure. It gets a little more difficult. Um, but I would say that's probably the whole process right there. Um, and then obviously I, I'm a rough draft, final draft person. So like I'll put two or three workouts on the page and then from there I end up kind of picking one out of the two or three sure. that I make. Um, that's normally my process. So I'll have a good little option right there and then from there I'll pick one out of Well, it. you got the recipe at that point in time. It's just about how do you want to go about making it. Kind of. And so that's why I kind of prefer to like put a workout down two or three different ways and then choose the best one out of those. Mm-hmm. Um, that way I can kind of like see a bunch of different workouts of that same movements um, and then pick from there. Okay, cool. So to a degree... So when I, when I personally program, you know, a week's worth of workouts, right? So usually the workouts, I mean, we have the, the kind of planned already preset, okay, we're going to do about two or three of these particular movements for our strength pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And to a degree that does kind of dictate a little bit as to what the conditioning piece is going to be for that particular day. Um, cause if we're doing a, a strength piece that might take longer, right? We can't program a 30, 40 minute workout yeah. when we still can't fit it all in the time frame that we do that, six, that 60 minutes. So we already have a, a pre-planned ahead of time strength components that we're going to do, right? Like right now we're doing the front squats, we're doing our push-up cycle and we're kind of throwing in some sled work as well. It's kind of our three main things we're throwing currently through our six week strength cycle. Um, but when it comes to the conditioning side of things, you know, at first, it's it's a, a GPP, a general physical preparedness, where you know you're not specifying to one individualized person, mm-hmm. right? This is a little bit more like on the sport you're aspect side of things. Side. Yeah, like if you're somebody trying to compete in the sport of CrossFit or sport of fitness, where let's say maybe you know let's say to take somebody like Leland for example, where he's a very good power output guy, right? Like. You give him something, you know, five, six, seven minutes, 
That's more of his wheelhouse. Right? He's, he's, a, he's a, a person who can just go, right? But for him, probably spending more time and more a longer duration piece is something that's going to probably be 20 to 30 minute time frame would probably be more beneficial. He's going to build more of an aerobic base. Mm-hmm. That's where maybe he lacks that. And then like vice versa, like somebody to take like, like Lacey, for instance, where you give her a 20, 30 minute grinder, She's gonna that's, that, that's right? her jam, right? But now if you give her like, hey, I need you to sprint for three to four minutes, that's not her jam, mm-hmm. right? So she has to spend more time in that threshold. For the most part, I don't necessarily look at it that way for the general class programming, right? So that's, when it comes to like things like that, that's a little bit more like sport specified. That's like individual individually growth, right? rise, like, right? Like, like that's, to me, that's almost like more of like a progression. Like you're trying to progress the athlete. Yeah. Um, this is more like generalized, like focusing, I guess. Yeah. So like when it comes to general physical preparedness, right? You're trying to give different stimuluses in the way of movement and time domain, so to speak, uh, or kind of like the main general principles, loads and varied, you know, rep schemes, things like that, right? So it's a little bit more like, hey, we're trying to give you a dosage of everything to get constant touches of all these different things. We're not necessarily giving you, we're not focusing on one individual aspect of those, right? It's kind of like saying, you know, if it comes to like strength components, right? Like if you know this particular person is not very good at squatting, right? Like they're going to spend more time working on that particular strength Thing of squatting because that's where their weak point is mm-hmm. not being as much at on their pressing maybe they're a good presser so when it comes to general physical preparedness right you're just it's like hey we're taking a general avatar of a person who doesn't necessarily have anything crazy weak points we're just trying to give a dosage of every little thing that we can mm-hmm. to get a constant exposure right so when it comes to programming class workouts to a degree like there's this balance of still having workouts that people enjoy yeah right that's that's the i think that's the one aspect that sometimes people can miss out on is like do people like these workouts is the is the first thing because you don't fucking like what you're doing you're not gonna do it you're not gonna show up right like what's the point of me programming workouts that are three four five minute sprint workouts if majority of the gym is like I don't like these. I don't feel like I come here and I break a sweat. Not getting much out. Of I don't feel like I'm getting much of it. Like I can explain all the benefits of like, hey, this is why it's good for you to do these particular pieces. But if you don't care and you don't like it, then what's the fucking point? Yeah. Right. Like you still have to enjoy the program. You still have to believe in the programming and the workouts that you're doing. And if you can come in consistently because you like the workouts, and that's what ultimately what matters, yeah. right? So I try to get more of a feel of what people like and what people want. And structure it more around that aspect more than anything else, right? Like, yeah, I could write the best program in the world, but if nobody likes it, nobody's gonna do nobody's it. gonna do it. A lot, a lot can be said for a program that you just believe in and you like, right? Even though on paper, by the standpoint of breaking it down, of like, hey, are they hitting certain touch points? It might not be the perfect program in the world, but if you like it and you enjoy it, it can go a long way that way. If you keep people coming, that's kind of what matters, right? And that's the most important thing. And so I always think about that first to a degree, right? Like what are the workouts that people are gonna to like to do that they feel like they came here, they got accomplished, they feel like they gotta get the hell of a workout and they're out of here, right? And so there's a lot of things that kind of come to that same point, like obviously time domains, loading, the the movements themselves in the way of like the complication of the movements. Mm-hmm. Like I know we talked about this the other day is you know nobody wants to come in for a workout that you know, it takes us 10, 15 minutes to break down this one particular movement. Like, yeah, there might be some people in class who want to learn about that and get better at that particular movement, but when 90% of the gym doesn't give a shit about that movement, it's like, dude, 
that's cool and all, but I don't want to have a 15 minute lecture on the squat snatch. Yeah. I just want to work out and get a good sweat. I want to make sure I'm doing things properly, keep me safe, but I don't want a 15 minute lecture on the squat snatch. And that's obviously you've seen kind of the progression of the programming kind of sh start shying away from those things a little bit where we're not doing as many complex movements just because that's very in my now in my eyes a little bit more sport centered aspect to crossfit and that's fine if that's something that you want to do definitely hit us up and we can do some x for you because right? we do have people that do that they're like hey i want to get better at the sport of crossfit then you know we're going to spend time on these particular movements that we don't necessarily would in class get you better at that sport but 95 plus percent of you guys don't give a shit about necessarily about competing and so we want to give you the best possible workout with the least amount of risk involved. And that way, everybody can do the, the movements safely and effectively and to get the hell of a workout. Yeah. Right? And so we've kind of, to a degree, kind of shot, so trying to wave from some particular movements, not to overly complicate the process, so to speak. Um, but when it comes to kind of getting back to the original subject of actually programming a week, you know, with that being said, to kind of start things off with, is the first thing I'll always start every week off is movement patterns. Okay. Right. So like we talked about a few weeks ago, I was talking to you about like usually the general structure is we try to squat three times a week. We try to hinge three times a week. We try to press twice a week, pull twice a week, carry once a week and do one type of ground to overhead once a week. Once a week. Right. And as well as becomes other things, you know, I do a pretty good job of it. I don't really put it on paper is I try to at least hit two monostructural movements a week, okay. meaning you know some type of squat, some type of bike, some type of row, or some type of jump of some kind. That's usually kind of classified as like a monostructural piece, but we usually get those pretty fairly easily. So the original, I kind of like that kind of put that into the program of workouts. I think people like those, I think they're just good in general. Uh, but that's usually how we go about doing it. So that way, when it comes to like a squat hinge pattern, right, you have anterior, posterior, Basically, the essential part of that is that you're not overtaxing one particular system over the other. You're trying to keep things balanced, right? So you wouldn't want to squat three times a week and only hinge once a week, right? Like, it doesn't ever work out perfectly, like we talked about before, where that's ideally what it would look like in a week. Sometimes we might have weeks where we squat three times, where we hinge twice, or vice versa, or maybe we well, press. It's, like, it's give or take a little bit. A little bit, right? Like it's it's not exactly always perfect in that side, of that general thing, but that's what we try to strive for. That we're keeping things balanced, right? Same thing when it comes to like a push pull. If we're trying to press twice a week and also pull three twice a week, right? There might be a week where maybe we press three times and pull two times, where mm -hmm. we only press two times and we only pull one time, whatever it may be. Um, and so that all once again comes down to balance, right? Especially when it comes to general shoulder health. Right, want to make sure that we're pulling and pressing properly, right, to keep everything balanced to the back and to the shoulders. And same thing with the squat and hinge. And then when it comes to a carry, right, moving a a load some type of distance. So a carry could come in. Our main two carries would usually come through a farmer's carry or like a lunge. Right, so you're carrying an object from point A to point B. Now, usually like on Thursdays, we'll usually change that up with like overhead carry or front row carry. Or but usually those don't always work out the best in a like wide setting mm -hmm. when it comes to like a, like a front row carry or, or an overhead carry of some kind. Now we've done like an overhead lunge before, things like that. You have another, we have a barbell overhead lunge coming Back up, things like that. Right so something along those lines, uh, or you could do like, you know, a front row carry with the barbell, like a lunge with the front rack or something like that. 
But, um, and then some type of ground to overhead, meaning like a dumbbell snatch or, you know, clean and jerk, taking it physically from the ground, bring it to to the overhead position is usually once a week as well. Um, that's what we, we try to strive for, like I said, but it doesn't always necessarily work out that way. And so the next kind of, once we kind of have that down on paper, okay, this is about what I want to hit in a week. The next thing is, you know, what kind of muscle groups got taxed? So kind of like a, a bodybuilding type S mindset going into the week itself is, you know, we might want to squat three times in a week, but we probably don't want to squat Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday yeah. in a row. You kind of spread it out. You want to spread that out pretty evenly. Now we might, like another thing is that like, and they all kind of correlate together. I'm not trying to do like in a triage, like this is most important over the other, but like we might squat back-to-back days, but the loading would look, look a lot different. Let's say if we like front squat for load on Monday, you're not going to do something really heavy on Tuesday. Right? Exactly, right? So let's say we do like a 185 front squat workout, right? That's a, a, a decently heavy loading, right? We might squat the next day, but it might be like a wall ball mm-hmm. or an air squat or something like that, but the loading is not nearly as aggressive. Um, but yeah, ideally you want to spread that out throughout the week where you're not constantly doing, you know, squat, 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 and then you're doing hinge, hinge, hinge. Like that wouldn't be a smart move. And same thing with the pressing, right? You wouldn't do want to do a bunch of shoulder to overhead the next day doing handstand pushups, yeah. right? Even though the loading is a little, a little bit different in the way of like an open and close chain movement, but ideally, you know, you wouldn't want to have this back to back pressing day. So we, tr- I, to a degree, when I'm writing up the workouts, I try to look at it a little bit to a degree like a bodybuilding mindset of, okay, what primary thing got taxed in this particular workout? And okay, we might we take a break from heavy legs until later in the week, mm-hmm. right? So it just depends on how it gets matched. So giving it anywhere between one to three days, probably what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, ideally you try to at least have a day gap between that to a degree. Um, it doesn't always perfectly work out that way because with CrossFit, right, they're very compound movements. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though we might have squatted, right, you're gonna still get, you know, some type of quad work in. We might do a workout that you're not necessarily squatting, but it can still blow up your quads to where. Let's say you're doing front squats today and tomorrow you're doing dumbbell snatches, bikes, bike and box jump overs. Yeah. I'm not technically squatting. But, but your quads are still But my quads right? can still be blown up from that process, right? So um, it, it's kind of those things like with CrossFit because there's so many different compound moving things that sometimes it can feel that way that we're doing a lot of legs. But it's not necessarily that we're doing the same movement pattern of that squat. We don't, we don't sit down and just say, how can we destroy your legs at the beginning of the week? Well, it's right? always funny. You know, I've said this before is, you know, you have somebody come in maybe on Wednesday or a Friday and they're like, oh my God, can we quit doing legs this week? And then literally the next class like, oh my God, can we quit doing shoulder stuff this week? Right? That like, happens every week. It happens every week. Like somebody bitches about one thing and the next day, the next class literally somebody comes in bitching about completely opposite. Totally opposite thing. thing. And so it's just one of those things. It depends on, and also depends on, I guess, the degree, like what day of the week that you came. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you came, you came Monday, Monday Tuesday, squat heavy, right? right? And then, but you skip, and then from there, you may skip Tuesday and you came back on Wednesday and this person came on Tuesday and they come to Friday, maybe they're too short of days, mm-hmm. right? They're sore already. It just depends on how you get matched up with it, right? We can't write a program that is specifically tailored to somebody coming only twice a week and somebody's only coming five days a week yeah. or whatever it may be. We, I look at it as like, okay, somebody's coming in Monday through Saturday, right? Like how that person's going to come in and what that's going to look like, right? I, I can't say, okay, well, this this person's only going to come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday. How would that look? Right? Yeah. That's impossible to do unless you're doing an individually written program, right? You, you have to write it up as if somebody's coming in Monday through Saturday and how they're hoping that everybody's coming through those days exactly 
And so that's kind of the second thing is like looking at, you know, what muscle groups are taxed and, and some are, are more taxed than others, right? You might have a, a workout that, you know, it on paper, okay, like, okay, this might be the majority of the muscle group that's being used, but overall it's more of a, a breathing style workout where you necessarily get too taxed where, you know, even if you look at a workout, let's say you just do pretty much a straight monostructure where you do a workout that's just comprised of running, biking, jump rope, and rowing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's necessarily going to be muscular taxing in the way of like, you're not going to wake up the next day, day and be like from super it. sore, right? But also you do have to think, okay, well, the hamstrings and the quads will use a lot more than like the upper body was during that workout, right? So maybe the next day I might want to put something a little bit more upper body intensive compared to the lower half of the body, whatever it may be. So, um, but we talked about like the loading is also an aspect of that, right? To where ideally we don't want to have two really heavy back-to-back days per se, to where let's say we're doing a heavy deadlift at 315 that day, we probably wouldn't be our best bet the next day to do like a heavy front squat or heavy back squat in that particular session. Um, at least not in the way of under fatigue, Right, like it's one thing if you're just going to the gym and you're just lifting, right? Yeah, you could do a deadlift session the next day you do a back squat session. But when you're under stress and fatigue and your your breathing rate's really high, it's probably not the best bet to put those heavy days back to back just because the risk of injury is probably a little higher for midline starts getting taxed too much, you start breaking, that's where injury can probably happen a little higher. So to a degree, I try to have it at least where we have one heavyish day, maybe two heavyish days in the week. Um, depending on what it is. So ideally, you need, you want to have one day where it's more of a heavy deadlift or a heavy squat, and then you maybe have another day where it's another maybe a heavy loaded movement when it comes to whether it be like a clean and jerk or a shoulder to overhead or something of some kind. But obviously the loading varies from anywhere from light, moderate to heavy. And most of the time we're going to say in that light to moderate side, but we do try to program at least one to two times a week of some type of heavy load in that particular mm-hmm. piece. At least once a week we treat some type of heavy compound conditioning piece kind of thrown in there. Um, obviously rep scheme is another factor there of, you know, how do we want to match up the rep schemes? Usually for the most part, most of them will fall between somewhere in that 10 to 30 range. But at least trying to have once a week we have a range that's in that 30, 40, 50 plus range of like a, a higher volume. higher volume at one particular time. Like you might have a workout where you do multiple rounds of, let's say, 15 wall balls for multiple rounds, but that volume doesn't creep higher than 15. Mm-hmm. But if you have a workout where you're doing 60, 75, 80 reps at one time, that's a lot that different, as you right. guys know, right? That, that seamless change adds, is more of a muscular endurance piece at that point in time. You're doing one movement for higher volume at one time. And then obviously having, you know, which are more kind of our favorites of the lower volume, but high volume, high volume rounds, right? right? Like so a fast turnover. Like fast turnover from round to round where you're doing, you know, five, seven, nine of something, right? You're doing five deadlift, seven box jump overs and kind of like row, right? So yeah, something like that where you're doing like a low volume overall where you, you're basically, as soon as you like get on the piece, you're first getting right off the piece and you're moving on to the next one. Those are like kind of like no point to stop necessarily. To a degree, right? Yeah. Like, so usually if we see low volume overall per round, you can usually assume that's going to be a high volume, right? Like we're probably not going to make a workout where it's, you know, three rounds of five deadlifts and five boxes. Five, four, four, right? You know, like that's, unless it's like a really heavy piece of some kind, which, you know, that's more like a competitor ass thing. What's that, uh, what's... Is it King Kong? King Kong, is that muscle up, deadlift? Handstand. So it's what? Is that three rounds? 
Dude, I haven't watched a King Kong video in so long. Because I've, I've done that workout, like, it's been years since I've done it, but I did it like three or four times back in the day. I think it's three rounds. Is it one deadlift? I want to say it's one deadlift at like 455. Okay. Two ring muscle-ups. I think it's three handstand push-ups. No, three cleans. Oh, yeah, like 255. And then four handstand push-ups. Four handstand push-ups. Which nowadays doesn't Dude, that was... Back, Back in the, the day, day that, was like, that was like atrocious. Finished that workout. Yeah, you you were you were a bad mofo. That was like atrocious, right? Yeah. Nowadays, it's like that's not. I mean, it's still I mean, it's still, it's still, it's still impressive, right? Like do it, the gymnastic right? pieces are kind of a joke, really yeah. now. But um, I mean, the loading is still pretty heavy, right? But like I would say. A, a, Compared to like back in the day, like the only people that could really do that is like you had to be a competitor to mm-hmm. do that, right? Like now here we still we could have a handful of guys probably, probably, probably do that, on, right? And so, um, but anyways, kind of get back on, on topic there. So, like obviously, rep scheme becomes a factor as well. Like looking at on a week to week basis, you know, where these rep ranges have kind of fallen into and whatnot. Uh, the next being. It, it kind of like correlates with each other. It's kind of like the pieces of equipment that we're using mm-hmm. as well as like unilateral work. So, you know, a lot of people love the barbell and some people hate the barbell, but the issue sometimes, like we've done a podcast on this before, is, you know, with a barbell, like, yeah, it's a great for building just overall general strength, but the issue with it is is that it's very much bilateral, meaning like I'm always going to be using... You're going to always favor one favor side, one right? side right? So if I'm doing a press, right, like... As you guys know, you've seen somebody do a strict press and one arm locks out faster than the other, mm-hmm. right? So you're allowing your stronger side to take over the movement, which then creates imbalances, which then goes into injury. So ideally, we, you know, changing up the pieces of equipment that we're using from a barbells to dumbbells or dumbbells to kettlebells, that changes it to where you're having to do more unilateral work, where you're having to use both sides equally. So doing a dumbbell push press is a lot different than doing a barbell push barbell. press, right? And even so, even to a degree, like using a dumbbell is different than using two dumbbells where your midline is now having to stabilize you more because you're only using one dumbbell, right? So looking at that as well is, is another factor of how much unilateral work are we doing to bilateral work, right? Like more than likely most, most training programs are going to include more bilateral work than unilateral work, but unilateral work still has to be a staple that you're including into your program to make sure you're still not overcompensating and keep yourself in check on that. You can let it work some good stuff though. I feel like a lot of people sleep on that kind of stuff though. Like a lot yeah. of people want to do like the, the barbell stuff and all that kind of cool well, stuff. Well, that's kind of the flashy stuff, right? It's flashy stuff, right? cool. Um, but that's the reason why I love lunges. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to, in a conditioning piece, do a unilateral movement um, in CrossFit that outside of lunge, I think, Obviously, the other move that comes to mind is like a box step up. Uh-huh. Uh, I really don't like pistols. Pistols. I just don't think, and that's kind of another piece of this was like kind of what's the risk reward to some of these movements that are out there. Um, but yeah, like pistols are, it's a way to get unilateral work in, but the amount of mobility and motor control needed to do a pistol, in my opinion, is not worth it. Worth it. Um, because the knees and the ankles, especially the knees, have a, the knees have to shoot so far over the toe to get proper depth that's really not worth doing when you can get the same stimulus doing like a way doing a box step, step up or, or like doing a to a degree doing a lunge right and so uh so and it kind of like that's what I, as well as progressions over the years since i've been programming is looking at kind of that which we were kind of talk, talked about in the beginning of the podcast is that's another thing that we have to weigh and look at is you know 
can we do a different movement that can give you the same stimulus and not be nearly as risky mm-hmm. like a pistol, right? Like or, feeling more safe. Yeah, and even to a degree, like I've even kind of like gotten a little bit like that. But we talk about, you know, like squat snatching and, and squat cleans and things like that to that nature, right? We talked about yesterday, me and you kind of for a good, what, 10, 15 minutes is like how much more safe and how much easier is to progress like a hand clean mm-hmm. than it is to take like, it from a clean floor. from the floor, right? Like you take the cleans from the floor and all of a sudden, you know, the form becomes complete shit, especially as fatigue starts settling in the middle of the workout mm-hmm. compared to doing hand cleans, how the positioning stays so much better for the majority of people. And also the progressions to teach a hand clean are a lot faster and the class runs a lot more smooth when we're doing a hand clean compared to a power clean from the floor, right? Like people don't like to come in for 15 minutes and have to break down a power clean or a squat clean, right? Like, okay, I want to spend some time talking about movements, like sure I'm doing it right, but at the same time, I don't want a 15 minute lecture on it. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of another thing is like, okay, we can still get the explosiveness and the athleticism of a clean, but maybe just not take it from the floor. We can replace that out with doing a hand clean instead, right? And then... To a degree, it's kind of like same concept with a ring muscle to a bar muscle. Is the ring definitely requires a lot more of a skill and things like that, and the risk is, is definitely a lot higher compared to the bar, bar piece, muscle, right? And so that's the reason why you see a little bit more bar compared to throwing in with the ring. It's not that I don't think that I think people can do rings. It's not that these movements are necessarily there's no sense that we don't like, want to program them. It's not that right. I don't want to program. It's just like is the risk reward there? Yeah, and as well as it's like none of these movements are necessarily so-called bad because any movement is bad if it's performed improperly. If you can perform the movement right, it's right, a like movement, A squat right? snatch is, there's nothing wrong with doing a squat snatch, there's nothing wrong with doing a ring muscle, there's nothing wrong with doing a pistol. It's just, it's one of those things where how many people can do them properly and execute them in a way that they're meant to be done yeah. without really injuring yourself, right? And that takes time and so much effort and extracurricular work outside of class that most people don't give a shit about yeah. that stuff. Like, dude, I don't want to. They don't want to spend three I months could, trying to learn a pistol. Yeah, right? I could care less about doing that movement, right? And so um, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you just have to kind of weigh and measure out. And, you know, if somebody wants to learn how to do that movement, that's fine if somebody can help you out with. But it's just not realistic for the majority of the population. And that's my job as a program. What's going to work best for most of the people here? Mm-hmm. Right? I can't individualize the program into one individual person. Right? I have to think about, as the masses, the what's going to be the most beneficial for us. And when it comes to a particular movement, it's like my, my thoughts in my head is like, can we do a movement that can give us the same result but not be nearly as risky and also make the class flow a whole lot more smooth? That's smoother. a no-brainer. Yeah. And so that's kind of like the last thing about it is – you know, logistics of to a degree of how the class is going to flow. Like thinking about the floor layout, right? Like, I feel like that is like a big piece of the pie. Well, for us, like as a coaching staff, like right, we can coach, write this huge piece of the pie. Right well, it's something we've learned over time, yeah. right? You can write this great workout on the board, right? Where I program, all right, we're going to do biking and overhead barbell lunges mm-hmm. and kipping ring muscle-ups and double-unders. Like all the freedom in the world, right? Like, okay, that sounds like a fucking awesome. cool workout. <laughs> How is that going to operate in the flow of the class? Yeah. Right? That's going to be a complete shit show. And so we have to think about, okay, when I write up this workout, okay, maybe I write it up in your rich, and then you have to think about, you have to play the scenario out of your head, okay, with a class of, you know, on average, we take, you know, our afternoon classes and our morning classes and the day and the stuff in between is, okay, let's say as a class, we average out about 12 athletes per class, right? Some more, some less. 
is, okay, if we have a class of 12, how would this general flow work? And yeah. even so, we even think about classes of 15, 20 plus, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times when we program a bike workout, we try to program it in a sense that it's either to where you can, it's more of a longer, chipper workout where you can start on the bike in the middle exactly. of the workout, right? right? And you guys won't run into each other. Or if we're going to do it in an interval day, like doing it to where an interval where, you know, one can work and one can rest and the workout doesn't change any at all for them. So we have to think about <clears throat> the class flow of, hey, if this workout is ran through the class, is everybody going to have enough room to complete these workouts? And is it just generally going to flow properly? And if it doesn't, you have to change it to where it can, right? You can try to keep the same general layout of a degree, but you may have to change the piece of equipment that you're using, or you might have to change this one, tweak this one small piece to it to make it flow better inside the class. That way, because nothing is worse for somebody to come into a class and try to do a workout and then they can't because it's just a cl- it's cluster fuck of a workout. Like a scatterbrain situation, yeah. right? And that's to a degree a little bit like, for instance, like when we do ring muscles, right? Like how much harder the rig is to operate. Yeah. When like people, somebody's doing, doing ring, because the ring muscle, the way the, the way the rig is operated, right? When somebody's doing a, a kipping ring muscle, they're essentially taking away two pull-up bars mm-hmm. because they had the back swing, which is the pull-up bar behind them, and they had the front forward, swing, which is right? the pull-up bar in front of them. So essentially, the that whole entire area is now eliminated because that person's doing ring muscle that's right there. Can just say, okay, well, we can, and we can just do bar. And then everybody's got a bar. And everybody's right? got a bar, right? And everybody's doing pull-ups or something like that, right? It, it operates so much more smooth. Yeah. And then also logistically-wise of barbells to dumbbells, mm-hmm. right? Like barbells feel way more of a cluster and way more compact because of the space the barbell takes up in the yeah. class compared to – the dumbbells and kettlebells, right? right? Like when you do dumbbells and, and kettlebells, right? The, the footprint per individual person workout reduces dramatically compared to when we use barbells in class. And so these are all factors that have to be weighed as well. Like, so it's a lot of moving pieces, right? You have to think about all these things. It's when more than just like throwing a bunch of movements on paper and just like- Yeah, like I think, I think sometimes right? people just like, hey, let's throw some shit on the board and let's see what sticks, yeah. right? There's a lot of, of that goes into that process. Um, and as well as, you know, like, I don't want to go too far off on this, on this, of the subject, right? Is, you know, when people like just like, like, well, you know, let me just see your workouts, right? I'm like, I put a lot of hard work on yeah. these workouts, man. Like, but people I, don't understand though, like to make a week's worth of workouts the right way, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time, a lot of middle energy. I mean, it eats up, you know, hours of my week That's like to, what, to two, do that. three hours, right? Trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, bare minimum, right? And then right. plus... Then from there, then once we have all that laid out, then we have the recipes. Then you have to think about the progressions to work from the colors, black right? to the yellow variations, yeah. right? And, and like that's how much five other workouts for you. Yeah, day. that's another. Yeah, and then yeah. that's more variations from there. And then on top of what you're having to do, you're doing the bodyweight and dumbbell variations. And then I got right? bodyweight dumbbell. So yeah, there's a lot of different little versions in there. Yeah, so that's, that takes up a lot of time. Eats up a lot of time throughout the week to get that done. So, right? There's a, so there's a lot of moving sections to that. And so when, to a degree, when somebody's like, hey, well, just give me your workouts," you know, I'm like. Dude, that's a lot of work for me we, to do. Like, just to give it to you for free, that's eight, a lot. Eight versions of a workout every single day. Think yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, eight variations of the workout. Of a workout every, every single day. That's a hell of a lot of variations. And so um, that eats up a lot of time. And then also, as you guys know, like, then when you get into the class, like, right, then we have to think about the, the flow of the, warm up. the warm-ups and the equipment layout of the floor and things like that, how that's going to flow. So that's that's a lot that goes into it. That's our job. I'm, I'm not complaining about it, Lane. That's what... I love to do. Yeah. I get more frustrated when somebody's just kind of acting like, 
well, it's it's not that big of a deal, yeah. like, right? Like you, and it's no fault of them; they don't know what they don't know. And that definitely was the consensus, like way back in the day, because it was true of like at the old gym or like way back in the heyday. It was just like, oh, you know, what were we gonna do today, right? Yeah. There was no thought or process to it, right? It was just like, oh, you know, we're gonna do this workout. This workout looks cool. There's no rhyme or reason to it, right? And some CrossFit box still operate like that today, yeah. where they're they're literally just saying, okay, well, we want to do that. Picking at random, right? Yeah, picking at random. Like, oh, this workout looks cool. And then they look next day, like, oh, this workout looks cool. And they literally did like half those same movements mm-hmm. the day before, right? I remember at the old, like when, before I was a coach, like doing wall balls four times in one week. In a week? Yeah, right? Like that doesn't make a whole lot yeah. of sense. <laughs> and so, it, or like, you know, running five times, like four, times. I pretty much run every single day that week. It doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to it, right? And so um, that was kind of the reason why I wanted to even do this podcast to a degree is to explain the thought process and understand, you know, why we do certain things. And when somebody can maybe understand the why behind it, they're a lot more willing to say, okay, now that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Like if I, if I, you just let people, let people choose to make up their own assumptions about things and they're going to maybe go complete 180 what it actually is, how the reality is. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, hopefully that gave you guys some insight. Also, I guess one other thing, I guess, I forgot to talk about it. it's also the the pairing of more when it comes to like upper body pressing and pulling. I know this is kind of a little asterisk here. I'm kind of going off the top of it real quickly. Is you know so like when it comes to like pressing, right? We have vertical pressing, horizontal pressing, and downward pressing. Right, uh-huh. making sure to a degree we're trying to balance out this pressing, and also when it comes to pulling, you know we have vertical and horizontal pulling, like balancing things things out as well, where we're balancing out the pressing and the pulling on a weekly basis that we're not overdoing kind all like overloading and overhead press right yeah right when it comes to more of like a horizontal pulling like we don't really throw in a lot of horizontal pulling in our workouts for much of all vertical pulling um but then we try to program it in our strength pieces a lot of times well, lately you've been doing like the barbell rows and yeah that trying to balance out that equation out and then also the kipping to the strict equation as well as we're not always just doing kipping pull-ups. We're not always just doing kipping hands and push-ups, right? We're, we're including strict work in there as well because that's such an important piece. So I kind of forgot to talk about that, but that was kind of the last thing I wanted to kind of throw in there before we uh, signed off on the podcast here because we're creeping up on 40 minutes now on this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. And so uh, so hopefully that gave you guys a little insight as to you know how we go about programming a week for you guys at a time and the work that kind of goes behind that and whatnot and hopefully and our goal like i talked about during this podcast is to make these workouts fun and interesting and enjoyable for you guys that you feel like you came here and you you accomplished your goal of getting a good sweat in felt like you were accomplished and improving your health and fitness and looking aesthetically good as well in the process of doing all that and making you guys want to come back again you know tomorrow for another mm-hmm. workout that's always our main job to start off with and then all the other stuff is just you know, cherry on top to make it you know bonuses, efficient right? and actually sufficient enough to where it is a smart program but a fun program. Oh, that's a good point. That's a so, good point. But anything else you want to add on that, dude? I don't think so, my guy. Okay. So that's it guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one and we'll talk to you guys on episode See number, number 20, twenty next Peace time. Later.